This is riveting. Find more at riveting.fm. I'm Morgan, and I'm a publicist. I'm Linda, and I'm a writer and editor. Morgan's sick. <laughs> Ew. Who's that? It's Coco. What's up? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Drink, Drank, Drunk. A grandma show with a drinking problem. Drink, drank, drunk is the name and talking about grammar's the game. Aw, you're such a poet. Thanks. Even when you are ill. Yeah. You know how on, um, oh my God, this is not going to be good. No. You know how on that show, well, also in real life, how they <laughs> take um, cold medicine and they make meth? Um, Breaking Bad. Breaking yeah. Bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that I show. know of it. Um, well, I invented that. Oh, <laughs> good for you. I'm super high right now. You're an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess maybe you shouldn't be drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sick, everybody. Yeah, but I'm sticking it out. There was no excuse tonight. Yeah, we I was gonna say I'm to sticking do- it out for you, listeners, but I'm not. No. There was no way she could get out of tonight. No, we have a very special guest. Years. It's taken years to book this guest. We started trying to book her two years ago before we even thought of this podcast. Yeah, back when I was she, still cooking meth. She kept ignoring <laughs> us, and then we started the podcast. Now just she for this can't interview. deny us anymore. We're talking about <clears throat> Mary Norris. The comic queen. Yes. She is... I don't have a cool sound effect for that. I wish I did. Oh. Uh, hmm. Mm. Like we someone should... drawing a comma. It's like the most boring sound effect of all time. That's such a weird thing to think of. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you should dig up the old episode where we sang comma, 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 chameleon. Oh, I should. Yeah. I'll put that. it in right here. Comma, 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 chameleon. God, we are dorks. <laughs> oh, that was a good time. Anyway. anyway yeah. Mary Norris is a copy editor at The New Yorker, mm-hmm. uh, which is a publication that has a very distinctive style guide. So it should be pretty interesting to talk to her. We're going to, she's going to call in. We can't wait to ask her all about it. We're going to try and do a lightning round. You know how those go. Uh-huh, yeah, right. It'll be our entire episode because we can't do that. All right. Here comes Mary. Mary, this is Linda. I once um, I met you at the Aces conference a couple of years ago when you presented in Pittsburgh. I think. Yeah, is that mm-hmm. the one. Yeah. Um, I mean, just like briefly, I just went up and said hello because I was too nervous. But... Do you remember her? <laughs> <laughs> I think that I just... was my first conference of copy editors and i was overwhelmed yeah it's, a, it's an exciting couple days <laughs> it is it really is yeah. also i'd never been in pittsburgh before and it was fun yeah it was fun that's where i hail from can yeah that's you, where morgan's from can you hear us okay on your end i'm yes i can oh great you sound perfect oh why thank you oh, well, you're very welcome <laughs> You can't hear me cracking open bottles of beer or anything? I no. hope you are. Yeah, are, are you drinking? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Not at the office. <laughs> okay. It's all right. <clears throat> um, so we're going to do, um, you know, just a 
sort of a Q&A back and forth, um, get some of your perspectives on some of this stuff. But first, I just wanted to start um, by talking about your book, mm-hmm. um, my yeah. favorite read of two summers ago, I believe. <laughs> uh, it was uh, the highlight of my summer, which I don't think says that I'm a nerd. I think it just says that you had an awesome book and now <laughs> it's in paperback so people can enjoy it without... Um, the tough-to-manage hardcover. <laughs> That's right. They could have taken it to the beach this summer. Exactly. <laughs> a real I, beach read. Yeah. I'm a classic procrastinator. Yes. Always was writing my paper two minutes before it was due. So in true fashion, I started reading your book today. <laughs> <laughs> and I am got through the first 100 pages. I also love it. And it's very fresh in my mind. Now I feel like I did the right thing. Because <laughs> That's a great excuse. <laughs> <laughs> Linda gave it to me so long ago and <laughs> cracked it open today. Yeah, that was a must read. I, I wanted you to share it. I know, but I do love it. And um, well, one of the things that I garnered from it, context clues, it seems like you do like a good beer. And given that we also drink on this show, I just wanted to know, uh, what, what do you like? What's your favorite beer? What do you fancy? Oh, um, I like something, a Belgian beer called Palm. Oh. It's an amber ale. And I like there's um there's something put out by Lagunitas mm-hmm. that's some kind of um, mysterious copper ale, um, and you can never find it. It's just it's hardly ever there. Oh, one uh. of those. <laughs> yes, they have all the other Lagunitas beers, and I always want to pronounce it Lagunitas, but I'm making an effort <laughs> to say Lagunitas today. Um, so, yeah, I guess I like Belgian beers a lot. All right. Very interesting. Um, so also, while I'm reading your book and I'm finding out all this interesting stuff about you and also The New Yorker, and we like to ask people if their personal style guide matches the style guide of where they edit. And this, I think, is really interesting because people might not realize kind of how quirky the New Yorker style is <laughs> quirky. <laughs> I think that there's um, rules that are very unique to that publication. Would you agree? Well, I do actually use a lot of New Yorker style in my own correspondence in my own work, just because I'm sort of brainwashed. I'm just so used to it. <laughs> So I use the serial comma. I double the L in traveled. <laughs> it's hard. It's just harder for me not to than it is to you know, do what I'm used to. However, I don't go as far as to use the diaresis. <laughs> the diaresis <laughs> is on my list of questions that I wanted to talk to you about for maybe, you know, just a few of our listeners who don't know what a diaresis is. Can you explain it to them? <laughs> well, it looks like an umlaut. That is, it looks like two dots mm-hmm. over a vowel, usually in a word. And what it what makes it different from an umlaut, an umlaut changes the sound of a vowel. A diaresis separates it it tells you that that vowel has its own syllable for instance in the word cooperate we put the 
diaris is over the second o lest anyone mispronounce it cooperate you know <laughs> you're just looking out for your readers <laughs> and and i know that we're we're just a little old fashioned but there are some legitimate uses i think of the diaris noel coward used one in his name mm, this is oh. true the brontes that name would be pronounced bront Right. Without the diaresis. And I think there are, I'm sure there are others, but those are the first two that come to mind. Naive is a famous oh, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yes. So speaking of uh, you using the serial comma in your personal, I also am a serial comma fan. I know I'm in the minority these days, but um, I actually deviate from my... Um, my office style guide by using it in my personal life, but I don't use it in my professional life. So it's like I lead, you know, two different lives. I, f- I feel very uh, <laughs> conflicted sometimes. <laughs> very cool lives. Yeah, bo- both are cool. Yeah. So Well, th- it surprises me. It constantly surprises me. The strength of the feelings people have about that serial comma, whether or not to use it, it always surprises me. I don't think it's a moral issue. I try not to make a moral issue out of it. But I do think it's, I think right now the serial comma is cool. I think it has a little bit of an edge over the lack. You know, there's no word for lack of a serial comma, right? No, that's a good point. All right. It's back in style, everyone. Get on board. (laughs) Um, It's ironic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Speaking of uh, cool or uncool stances on style, when we once brought up on the show sort of in passing that you shouldn't be using two spaces after a period anymore, we heard from so many (laughs) people who couldn't believe this rule and like, we're just like, we are never getting on board with that. I will I will never do that. I will never just do one space after a period. And it was just so interesting because we were like, wait a second. This is not new. Why, why is everyone so upset about this? Do you think you know anyone who uses two spaces after a period? Oh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I actually did a video on this because it has come oh. up quite often. You know, when you're copy editing something, it's a pain to have to remove all those extra spaces. Yeah. It was one of the first things we learned when we were moved over from typewriters to word processors that it's built into the typeface. It's that mm-hmm. when you use put in a period and one space, that's all that you need. The, um, the typography just compensates for the space between the end of one sentence and the beginning of another. And so anyone who is still making two spaces grew up using a typewriter, writing college papers on a portable or an IBM Selectric or some kind of a typewriter. And that's fine. It does, if you keep using those spaces, it shows your age. And <laughs> and I got such a response to this, all kinds of different responses. One thing, one response I got was, and so what's wrong with being old? And I didn't mean that at all. It just means that it does betray that you went to school in the 60s or 70s, if not earlier. And the other thing that I, I the other area I heard from was there is actually a group called the Wide Spacers. No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. You can find them on Twitter and that is a very odd 
place to be deploying extra space on Twitter, yeah. I have to say. Oh, my goodness. Should we start yes. trolling them? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sending them links to our podcast episodes where we denounce double spaces. <laughs> no, I don't think there's any point in denouncing them. If people want to do them, they just make an extra nuisance for the people who come along and have to, you know, take those spaces out. You know, I get paid to do it. I don't mind so much. <laughs> you might be out of a job if everyone uh, followed the rules, right? I met recently a guy in Amsterdam at a reading there who came up to me and told me I had changed his life. Oh my gosh. With that video about the spacing after yes. a period because he'd always been putting the two periods and being stubborn about it. And it was only when he realized that I, I had nailed it. I pointed him out as someone who <laughs> wrote papers on an IBM Selectric <laughs> and was just used to using those two spaces for the last 30 years. And so he stopped doing it. Oh, wow. We have had people our age in their 30s come up to mm. us also not realizing. I'm curious how you feel about this because I know Linda mentioned she wishes that she had your own timeline of style guide. And, mm. and we also talk, do you feel that the mainstream media is doing a disservice by not announcing to the world outside of the ACES conference that these changes have happened? Because that's what I've heard. And I'm an industry outsider. But all of our friends and family and listeners who didn't know were just, they were, they were angered. They, they get upset because yeah. they say, how are we supposed to, to know? know? Yeah. No one said we changed their lives. They just got really mad at us. Yeah, they yeah, just they get, get mad. mad. They should be reading more books like mine. Ooh, that's so true. Oh, there you go. But that reminds me of something I keep hearing about the Catholic Church. You know, the Catholic Church um, apparently approved many years ago of cremation. And when I was a kid, that was against the rules. Mm -hmm. You know, you had to be buried. And, mm -hmm. and um, I don't like to follow up too closely on what happens to you after you're buried. <laughs> but cremation was not allowed. And now I think the Pope just came out and said, yes, you, while you can cremate, you cannot leave the ashes in a jar on the mantle. You have to do something respectful ah. with them. So mm. it's kind of like that. It's it's only if you're curious that you pursue it and find out about it. Otherwise, no, nobody's going to send you a note. You have saying, to subscribe to the Vatican e-newsletter. E yeah, the Vatican e-newsletter. <laughs> Classic double spacers over there at the Vatican. <laughs> you probably have well, to read Latin. You'll too. hear from them. You may hear from them if you. <laughs> yeah. You persist in your evil ways. <laughs> uh, so something that comes up more often to Linda, as she is uh, editor by trade. And people only recently started doing this to me when I started doing this doing this podcast and pretending like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> is people will say to me, "Oh, I don't want to write you an email or leave a review on your podcast or send you a Facebook message because you're going to judge my writing." Does that happen to you? Yes, a lot of people when they write me emails say I'm afraid to write this because it's going to be full of errors and I wish that people wouldn't worry about that because yeah. I make mistakes in email too and if it's it's only when something is going to be published in hard covers you know soft covers when something is going to be printed mm -hmm. well that's not exactly true but 
<laughs> it's not for formal use, right? It's, yeah. it's right. casual. It's not such a big deal. Um, See everybody? I, nobody having cares. said that, though, some once in a while I get a letter from somebody pointing out one of my mistakes. Ooh. And if it has a mistake in it, like, you know, if, if for instance, the person spells my name wrong. Right, right. <laughs> or even I've had a person spell his own name wrong. You know? <laughs> so it's hard not to judge that. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a glass house situation, I guess. Um, yeah. Another thing that we've yeah, it certainly is. <laughs> another thing that we've covered on the show extensively are email sign-offs. Um, speaking of email, because um, there are articles written constantly about how you should end your emails in a professional setting, and a couple really funny satirical pieces. Oh yeah, have actually in the New Yorker, which we've read and laughed about on this show. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe you've edited those, but. Uh, I, we were, so when people come on the show, we ask them what their preferred email sign off is, not necessarily to their friends, maybe to their friends, but it, you know, at work when you're writing, let's meet about this later. Do you say thanks, Mary? Do you say regards? What What's your preferred? Well, I always go with yours, yours, comma, and then I sign my name. Um, I've tried not doing it <laughs> and there must be something about learning how to format a letter in third grade that <laughs> that stuck with me because I have to have some kind of closing and I just go with yours I have a friend who always who uses yours but takes all the vowels out just abbreviates it YRS you know yours <laughs> and and I've studied other um, closings like I've received emails from people in Australia who sign off warm regards mm. and that always sounds so nice and the yeah. first time it happened I thought oh she really likes me <laughs> and then then I discovered that a lot of people sign off saying warm regards but it is that that's a very nice one I like it but I, I'm not going to adopt it myself okay but you have an appreciation <laughs> <laughs> yes I do like it and as for thanks, a lot of my emails have lots of thanks in them. And I like to put an exclamation point after the thanks to make sure it sounds enthusiastic enough. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do that too. But we've talked on this show in the past um, about a lot of millennial talk comes up. Uh, <laughs> Linda and Morgan are technically adult millennials, we found out, where I am a, what am I, I'm a young Gen Xer. I'm a little bit a few years older. Um, but w w remind me, ladies, the uh, exclamation, that's seen as a sign of, no, of that's, anger? No, no that's, that's the period. That's the the period. period's anger. So yes. millennials, the, the thing is that young people, younger people, think that if you say, see you soon, period, like you're mad, something's wrong because you didn't say, see you soon, exclamation point, emoji, mm -hmm. emoji, emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, periods are I have read rude. about that. Yes. Time to do peace on that. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, this, that's is a good, right, right. this is a good, a good segue, actually, because we have um, a listener question, if you don't mind helping us answer. This is from Catherine, who says, uh, hello, I love your podcast. Uh, my question has to do with ellipses. I find myself using more and more of them these days, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> 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 it, 
Is this a general cultural phenomenon, perhaps something to do with the period seeming rude in text? Can I continue to litter my texts and emails with them? I'd love to hear about their proper use, too. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. So I do think that the the phenomenon, as she says, does have something to do with with people not wanting to use a single period in a text. Yeah, what do you think, Mary? Well, I've found myself using it more often, actually. And I don't think it's because I'm afraid to use a, a period. Mm-hmm. I, but sometimes it does soften something. It makes it something that is an opinion seem more like if there's room for doubt. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, yeah. And I see what you're saying. The real reason for it, the legitimate grammatical punctuation use for it is trailing off. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we make a distinction at The New Yorker between something that trails off and something that's abruptly cut off. And that we do with a dash. Right. You know, if something is interrupted, we use a dash. And, uh, of course, in academic circles, the ellipsis actually shows something has been left out. Right, like in a quote or or something yes, like that. Yeah. Yes. Right. So you know, those are just the three traditional uses of the the three dots, the ellipsis, or maybe there's only two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're you know, the New Yorker is very conservative, and although it looks like we like to put in a lot of punctuation, <laughs> one of the things we don't do is we try not to use extra punctuation where we don't have a grammatical reason for it and we won't put the three dots at the end of something just to show that the person kept talking if we're not going to quote it anymore right, we just right. put a period and stop yeah okay well, well thanks for i would say up. to Catherine that i don't think she should continue to litter her texts and emails with ellipses i think littering is always bad yeah <laughs> <But> i think uh <laughs> Maybe be a little bit more judicious, Catherine. Agreed. Because too many ellipses, then it just means nothing. Then you should just start using periods. Or say what you mean. Yeah. Stand behind it, Catherine. It is a style thing. There is, I, I mentioned in the book, um, one writer who is the author of is Celine, Celine, the French writer. Mm-hmm. He uses no punctuation except ellipses. So <laughs> you never know when That's to stop choice. reading. You know, it just <laughs> goes right. on and on. That's how he uh, keeps people enthralled. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That's suspense. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> uh, so something else that we've talked about a lot, we would like to know your stance on the singular they. Oh, I get in trouble about the singular they all the time. Uh-huh. Now, this didn't come up at the ACES conference last September, last um spring it was it it comes up all the time um the singular they is the use of they well there's two different points here right one is grammatical and it's a an issue of it's a question of number Mm -hmm. where the pronoun should agree with its antecedent and in a sentence like everyone took their seat Mm -hmm. strict Grammarians object because everyone is singular and there is plural. Mm-hmm. So at the New Yorker, we try to write around 
those locutions, we might suggest that the writers say, everyone sat down. Right. Now, everyone took his or her seat, I agree, is a little um, awkward. It's a little, there's just too many words there. And you can't say his or her all the time. It just gets boring. Yeah. Um, so there is a big movement to just say everyone took their seat and to use their instead of his or her. or And, and it's being accepted more and more by copy editors and by organizations that promote um good prose. The New Yorker is holding out. There are a lot of us who just still feel that it's it's wrong to violate that number rule in grammar. Mm -hmm. So that's one issue. The other issue is for people who don't answer to he or she mm -hmm. and be called they. It's, it's a plural, but it can refer to one person who doesn't like the binary system of gender and who answers to um, some different definition, you know, um, who just rejects the right. traditional gender boundaries. And I have sympathy with that person. And, and I would try to use the pronoun that they prefer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I straddle the position. I <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm very conservative on the one hand, and I'm pretty liberal on the other hand, depending on whether you're talking about number or whether you're talking about gender and people. Okay, I think that's fair. That's fair. Um, Morgan, you had a would you oh, rather I question. Do. I have a would you rather, Mary <laughs> Norris. Would you rather? Never use a pencil again or never use the serial comma again. Oh, man. Oh, my. I would have to choose between those two things? For the rest of your life. Well, That's... no question. I would rather never use the serial comma again. All I right. love pencils. And I'm holding one right now. <laughs> tell, tell us about your really, love of it's pencils. It's a nice one. And, of course, you can write without using the serial comma. But... If you're me, you can't write without using a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, can you tell us about your pencil love a little bit? Well, it dates back to my early years at the New Yorker when I was working in this department called collating. It was before word processors, and we had to copy changes from proofs, from proofreaders, fact checkers, editors, onto a clean proof for the printer. And the man I worked for had a very light touch. He had, his handwriting was very faint. And at that time, state of the art was to send the proofs to the printer by fax. This was a long time ago. And his changes wouldn't come through in the transmission. So somebody in that department had the idea of giving him pencils with softer lead in them because they knew they weren't going to get him to bear down more as he worked. He'd been already doing this job for 30 years, so they weren't going to change him. So they bought our department a lot of these number one pencils. Mm -hmm. You know, the pencil grading system in America, one is soft, two is medium, hard, and then three is very hard. And I guess they, there's, there are all different grades. But I got used to number one pencils, and they feel very comfortable to me. I always can tell if somebody has slips a number two pencil onto my desk and it feels very <laughs> scratchy. And I like it to be smooth and I like a softer lead 
um, is more expressive. You know, when I'm doing a proof and I know something is wrong, I can make a change. I can really bear down on it. And those people will know that I know I'm right. Whereas if I'm not so sure, I can keep it a little bit fainter and not so sure. And then then that is just more expressive. So anyway, I got a bad batch of number one pencils once from Ticonderoga. I mean, a whole gross of them that the lead was split. It was shattered inside the shaft. And every time I sharpened a pencil, it would the lead would break off. So I got tired of those, and I decided I would look for other pencils. And somebody introduced me to the Black Wing. Yeah, it's a um, pencil that was used by that is used by Stephen Sondheim, but it went out of production. Oh my Apparently, gosh. It, the machine that makes the special ferrules—that's F-E-R-R-U-L-E-S—the little clip on top that you put the eraser in uh-huh. on black wings—they're flat oh and very stylish, I must say. <laughs> very sexy pencils, and um, <laughs> that. That machine broke, so they stopped making these pencils. But this company, wow. Palomino, a Cal Cedar pencil company out in California, they got a hold of one of the machines or they fixed one or something, but they started producing. Hello? Hi. Sorry, we lost you. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Oh, it was mid, I don't know what happened. mid- story it was good I, I think skype got bored with pencils <laughs> we <laughs> were not possible well uh, while we were waiting to bring you back in i mm-hmm. i googled the pencils you were talking about they are very sexy pencils <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know what you meant by the flat top it's cool it's a little hard to describe you can take yeah. that eraser out and lengthen it or turn it around so you get square edges on it again anyway the point about the pencils is that they use a different they don't grade the lead they don't have a grading system that you can put a number on but it's a lovely soft lead and they have at least three variations there's a the classic black wing is a very soft very black lead and it's a little um what's the word it kind of spreads around a little. I don't. I'm not getting the right word. Um, okay. What's the company? What's the company's name again? It's called Palom. Though the company is Cal Cedar. Okay, Cal Cedar. And the pencil is a Palomino Black Wing. Okay. So smudgy. That's the word I was looking for. The the darkest one. The. Um, Print can be a little smudgy. I prefer this one. It's called a 602, Palomino Blackwing 602. Uh-huh. And the motto on it is half the pressure, twice the speed. <laughs> yeah, I'm reading. That could be the motto for probably a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading about them right now, and it says back when the, the machine broke that you were talking about, and they were about to almost go extinct, I guess, that people were paying f- as much as $40 on eBay for a single pencil. Was that you, Mary? Yeah, did you no, do that? No, that was not me. I didn't, <laughs> back in those days, I did not know about these pencils. It was oh, okay. only when Cal Cedar brought out the new version mm. that uh. I acquired a box of them, and that's when I got addicted. You know, it was especially coming off this horrible experience of getting the gross of shattered Ticonderoga. <laughs> and your um, passion for pencils runs so deep that you went to a pencil sharpening museum? I did. Yeah. Um, 
It's in Logan, Ohio, at the Welcome Station in Logan. And it's just a little house out in back of the Welcome Station or in front of it. And it houses the collection of a, a preacher, a, a guy who I think his name was Johnson. And he started collecting these pencil sharpeners when he retired. Mm. Uh, Paul A. Johnson, that was his name. And he, after, after he died, his wife donated the collection to the Logan uh, Welcome area, the district they have this. It's just a little rest area off the highway because there's a lot going on in Logan that people don't know about. You know, there's um, a canoe livery and mm. there's a washboard factory. Wow. And, and there is, of course, the, the pencil sharpener museum. <laughs> wow. It sounds like a happening place. It'll probably... <laughs> Maybe they'll host the next ACES conference. Right? Oh, my gosh. If only. It's <laughs> a great idea. Good canoe sharpen pencils. <laughs> Well, it was it was a considerable detour, I have to say, but it was really worth it. It was really really fun. Um, and uh, we wanted to make sure to ask you a question for any young people who are trying to become copy editors, um, break into the business now. Do you have any? We're not so young people. We're not so young. Anyone who is young in their career, maybe their editing career. What uh, do you have any uh, tips or advice for for those people? Well, the main thing to do, I think, is to read and to read good things, to read literary things, things that are well edited. Um, I would say the New Yorker is a good example, mm-hmm. and and to notice. I mean, when you read, obviously you read for content, but I think you can look at things on another level. You know, you absorb the content and maybe you go back and read it again. And if it's well written, it's something that won't be a burden to read again because you'll enjoy it. And the second time, you can notice things. You can, I mean, I notice things while I'm reading mm-hmm. because, it, you know, I'm, I'm in, in the habit. But I notice how words are spelled. I notice punctuation choices. And I, for a long time, I couldn't read for pleasure, but I got over that, thank <laughs> goodness. Yeah. And um, now I just notice and I, you know, sometimes one, I sometimes think, well, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, but I, it doesn't interfere with the pleasure that I take in the reading. And also, if I see a, a misspelled word, um, you know, I don't have any I don't feel that I must write the author <laughs> or the editors and and say you know this, you made a little mistake here um, there probably are polite ways of pointing out mistakes but I haven't figured out yet maybe it's like for are. for when your book goes into paperback I just want you to be sure to correct this misspelling when <laughs> optimistic that they'll sell a bunch enough for another run but yeah yeah, on. I'm reading a book right now that uses a lot of comma splices. Ooh. It's like really distracting, actually. And I usually don't get too distracted about things like that. But I'm like, why did they do this throughout the book? I don't understand. Whatever. Well, sometimes there's a point to it. Um, the novels of Elena Ferrante, for instance, have a lot of those kind of run on sentences in them. And it's deliberate to give a sort of pace 
to the mm-hmm. prose to keep it rushing forward. Right. So sometimes there's a reason for it. Yeah, maybe. Um, Dig a little deeper, Lynn. I guess. I, I don't think the, I won't even say what the book is to, so as to not insult it, but it's like just this side of maybe a trashy novel. So I don't <laughs> think that it's, uh, I don't know that it's a style choice so much. Um, so uh, we want to be sure everyone make sure to put uh, Mary Norris's book on your holiday wish list between you and me, Confessions of a Comma Queen. Yeah. Buy it for everybody. Yeah, not just not just you know passionate editors. It can, it, I really think that anyone can enjoy this book who has even moderate interest it's, in. It's really language. fun. I mean, if you've enjoyed any of the stories that Mary's told on this episode, you'll enjoy this book because it's full of yes. gems. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> of course. Oh, and you know, um, drunkwordnerds.com/slash/mary will give you all the information where you can buy the book. And find out more about Mary Norris, yada, yada. Drunkwordnerds.com slash Mary. And Mary, thank you so much for joining us tonight. This has been a true pleasure. Yeah. And where can people see your videos and things like that? Well, the videos are under the title Comma Queen. And if you went to the New Yorker Comma Queen, the videos would come up. There's a big list of them. I also have a website called commaqueen.net. And there's a link to the videos on there. Yeah, I just realized, I don't think we ever said the name of the book in all of our praise. It's Between You and Me, Confessions of a Comic. You did? I just did when I said go buy the book, but we didn't in the beginning. Yeah, okay. We're not good hosts. (laughs) We're terrible hosts. I'm sorry. (laughs) But we love it. Yes. Well, thank you. I do. You can cut this part if you want to, but (laughs) the book this fall was a finalist, one of only three finalists for the Thurber Prize in Humor. Wow. And gosh. Yeah, I mean, it didn't win. <laughs> but just but, to be nominated. Um, for it to be <laughs> included among books that um, were remarkable for their humor, that was a matter of That's great amazing. pride. That's amazing. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, Thanks. congrats. It was lovely to speak with you. Nice talking with you, Linda, Morgan, Brian. And um, thanks also for making me get educated um, <laughs> about the use of Skype. Oh, you'll, that's, thank you for that's fine. I can't stand Skype and I hate it, but I'm glad. You'll uh, probably never use it again. Yeah. But if you do, you have a lo- lovely headset. <laughs> right. Well, so far, you're my only contact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, I'll Skype you tomorrow, okay? <laughs> and that's great. All right. Bye, All right. Mary. Thanks thank so you. Much. Have, have a great nice night. night. Thank you very much. You Bye-bye. was fantastic oh my god dreams realized i wish i was in better health but my spirits were very high and even higher now i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as linda and i (laughs) (laughs) that's a between you and me joke guys get the book (laughs) (laughs) but yeah thank you for listening drunkwordnerds.com is where you can find all of our stuff and that's also our handle on all of our social. Drunk wetness. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be adding Mary Norris. You can come follow her with us. Send her your love and admiration. Yeah, I do all the time. <laughs> Every morning she wakes up at Mary Norris. I love you. <laughs> Good morning, Mary. 
She uses a pseudonym, though. Otherwise, she would never agree to this interview. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one. No. <laughs> You're the psycho I have on mute. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. It's been real. Bye. Next week, I won't be on meth. <laughs> I hope you are. <laughs> My mom was like, I can't believe you talk about your dare officer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. She was like, I don't think I threw away your t shirt. That's what she remembers. I'm like, I, I love how this is like how we're working out our issues. Like I'm blaming you for things on the podcast and then you have to address it with me. This has been a riveting production.